Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome back to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. This is Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and my own Cotton Companion and colleague, Beck Barnes, is back in studio today as well. Beck, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Jim. Um, I am back. I'm back in the studio. I'm back in the office at large. As you know, I had my, uh, went up to the National Agri-Marketing Association uh, Conference in Kansas City two and a half, three weeks ago, and came back home with uh, the novel coronavirus uh, for the for my first time, <laughs> knock on wood, and oh, no. uh, two years of it. So, um, uh, but back feeling good now and healthy. It wasn't too bad. And anyhow, I had some time to um, catch up on my reading, see what's going on out there in the uh, in the cotton world uh, during my my uh, sick time off. And uh, anyhow, I couldn't help but notice all the changing. Uh, I think the USDA uh, uh, planted acreage projections came out. USDA perspective plannings report came out during that time, and uh, yeah, interesting stuff. I mean, I saw finally this um, uh, this uh, fertilizer uh, situation that's happening geopolitically across the world kind of hit home when you saw that uh, USDA was predicting uh, drawing back corn acres, and uh, you know, as you know, especially here in the mid south, that's zero sum with soybeans and cotton, so. Uh, both of those uh, crops picked up acres, particularly cotton. I think in the mid south is going to pick up quite a few more acres, and uh, it's just interesting. It's it's that's a great development if you're uh, the business director of Cotton Grower Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, it was a welcome uh, development in my opinion because the more acres, uh, the better. It's a sign of a, a healthy industry, uh, especially with prices. Cotton prices doing what they're doing now. Um, you know, it's just. Right here at planting time, it's like everything comes into focus in terms of what uh, plantings are going to be, what the crop mix across the belt is going to be. Uh, I know you're going to get into that here in a little bit. I'm probably stepping all over your toes, Jim, with your uh, uh, crop progress report that you're going to get into here in a little while. Uh, so is this the first one of those crop progresses you're going to? No, actually, actually, it's uh, we're about three weeks in yeah. to these reports right now, but, you know, so far, it's it's basically been slow and very steady going, you know, because you're you're primarily dealing with Arizona, California, and South Texas, yeah. At this point, you know, in terms of of getting planted, and you know, obviously, USDA released their uh, their latest report uh, yesterday afternoon, and we're going to look at those those numbers here in in just a few minutes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait to hear more about that. But uh, I do want to stop us before we go any further. Jim, uh, the good folks over at First Fire Safety, our buddy Steve Monaco, uh, they are one of our monthly sponsors and they have a message they'd like to share with our, farmer, our farming audience uh, right now. First Fire Safety is a fire protection company based out of Austin, Texas. We've developed a foam fire suppression system specifically designed to protect the John Deere round bale cotton harvester. We install this system and train operators all over the world. Be fire ready with a first fire safety fire suppression system. Call today for more information and pricing. 512-777-1555. Okay, so thanks again to First Fire Safety for that timely message. And uh, Jim, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Okay, well, Beck, you and I have, have chatted about this uh, a little bit over the past week, but since our last podcast, while you were dealing with uh, with the NAMA conference and, and unfortunately COVID, uh, I had the opportunity to spend a day outside Corpus Christi with the folks at John Deere uh, learning about their latest equipment for cotton production. 
Now, uh, it was a day of obviously of impressive machinery uh, and discussions with people uh, who helped develop, design, engineer, and market uh, this new product line of equipment. Uh, also made me realize how, uh, how I'm certainly not at the intelligence level or educational level oh, of, a lot of, of a lot of these people. But, uh, you know, I think that's part, that's part of being an editor. We're there to learn and we're there to report, right? Yeah. But it, it did get me to thinking about what other new technologies and equipment may be coming to help make cotton production a little bit more efficient and effective. So to that end, our friend Dr. Ed Barnes, who is Senior Director of Agricultural Environmental Research with Cotton Incorporated, is going to join us here in a few minutes to take a look at what may be coming soon to a cotton field near you. But first, there are just a couple quick items that we want to cover. Speaking of crop progress, growers in Alabama, Kansas, North Carolina, and South Carolina have, uh, have now joined the planting season. Based on USDA's progress report for the week ending April 24th, that report is showing that 12% of the U.S. cotton crop has now been planted. It's up two percentage points in the past week and is actually one percentage point ahead of, ahead of the five-year average for this date. The vast majority of progress remains in, uh, in Arizona, California, and the southern parts of Texas. Uh, but we did see Louisiana planting jump 11 percentage points in the past week. And Virginia has climbed 10 percentage points. And so all other, but all other reported states are ranging at this point from 1% to 3% planted. We anticipate that to change rapidly over the next, uh, next few weeks. And it's, uh, it's coming fast, but uh, Saturday, April 30th is the extended deadline for producers to complete data entry for their 2021-22 crop in the U.S. Cotton Trust protocol. Producers who enroll and complete their data entry before this deadline will be eligible for a potential redistribution of program revenue. So to streamline the process, producers can work with their crop consultant to make sure necessary and accurate information is entered. And if they use the John Deere Operations Center, they can pre-populate up to 40% of the information needed to complete their field print analysis as part of the protocol uh, registration. Producers can complete their data entry by going online to www.trustuscotton.org. And if you have any questions, you can direct those to the grower help desk at growers at trustuscotton.org. Yeah, uh, Jim, I'm glad I'm glad you included that item there. I know that um, I have heard that the registration uh, uh, process for the Cotton Trust Protocol can take can take a little bit of time. But, uh, you know, one thing I know, it's great that they have these resources available uh, to help to help guys who are getting signed up. And, and I know that it's worth it. I mean, it's so worthwhile. You know, this this program, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a farmer and you're thinking about getting involved, but you're wondering what's in it for you. Uh, the short answer, uh, if you want to put it shortly, it's price. You know, we know that at the retail shelf, consumers are more and more each passing year conscious and cognizant of sustainability and environmental uh, footprint, environmental concerns. And uh, this program, U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, you know, the good news is cotton has a better story to tell than its competitors, than all of this uh, polyester and, and all other man-made fibers that are, that are out there. But we can't tell that story without a program like the Cotton Trust Protocol. So, you know, it's, it's going to come back to you if you get involved. You're only, you're only helping yourself. So that's my, that's my spiel. That's, I'm going to climb off the soapbox. 
No, I think that's fine. I think I think that's very very appropriate at this point. And and you know, we are seeing the the trust protocol growing, you know, steadily over each year. So we'll see what the numbers look like after this registration process is finished uh, here in over, over the next week. And one last item, and it and it's really from the we never thought we'd cover this category. And Beck should be used to this with me yeah. by now. Uh, there's a watch out that the, has been issued by the FBI for U.S. agriculture. And basically the FBI wants ag companies and farming operations to prepare for possible ransomware attacks during the 2022 planting season as hackers may start targeting the nation's food supply chain during these important production seasons. Now, the agency has said that two grain and feed companies have already seen attacks this year, and it's uh, that's the, the reason it's encouraging companies and farms alike to back up their data, protect information with strong passwords, use only secure internet networks, provide users with cybersecurity training, and then obviously contact their local FBI field office if they suspect any hacks have occurred. Now, I, you know, I think that's all great information. It's probably something we should all take to uh, take to task on our own on our own systems, whether it's you know whatever we're doing uh, with our computers. But uh, I don't want anybody breaking into our email and getting into our, our back and forth about SEC football or the uh, the Cardinals, Jim. That'd be that'd be devastating. I I suspect that would be a very little interest to uh, you know to some of these some of these. I, I can't imagine what they would ransom that for <laughs> right. at this point. Probably but, not much. <laughs> probably not much. Probably not much at all. Well, speaking of technologies, let's go ahead and welcome Dr. Ed Barnes, Senior Director of Agricultural and Environmental Research with Cotton Incorporated, back into the Cotton Companion Virtual Studio. Ed, it's been a while since we've had a chance to visit. Welcome back to the Cotton Companion. Good morning, Jim. It's great to be here. Ed, it seems like every year there's some new technology and or new equipment to help make cotton production more efficient on a larger scale. And one of the things you and I recently visited about is, uh, is this new Sea and Spray Ultimate Sprayer that John Deere has in field tests and demonstrations this year with plans to take orders for 2023 coming up later this season. It may be one of the most ambitious blends of machine vision and artificial intelligence to date. What does equipment like this mean for growers? Man, you know, it's really exciting to see this happening so fast. I just really didn't think they'd have a commercial version uh, of this type of machine vision system, uh, you know, and ready for 2023. So what it means is, you know, the, the ability to, to find these weeds with the crop there is, is gonna be really helpful in targeting these herbicide applications uh, allowing growers not to have to think twice about going full rate. It's, it's really, and then the other thing, you know, you think about, we've looked at the sea and spray for burn down applications for a while with things like the weed seeker. You know, one of the benefits is less, less number of refills. If you're putting out less material, you've got to, to stop to refill less. And so it's just really exciting to see this coming into production. Well, it, you know, not only are we, are we looking at, at these new sprayer technologies, but planting technology also continues to evolve with, uh, seems like with bigger, faster, and, and more accurate units. Uh, 
almost like there's something new nearly every year. What, uh, you know, what's, what's going on with, with that? Yeah, no, the, and the planter technology, you know, it's out there now and it's really one of the things we're still working on. We've got several projects that Cotton Incorporated is funding to try to, you know, get the most value out of the new settings on these planters, the ability to quickly adjust depth, the really precision control on the downforce. And so we've got uh, some projects in Georgia, Oklahoma, and Arizona right now, really looking at how to take advantage of those machine settings. And um, so there's, you know, we've had a lot of concerns the last couple of years over seed quality, planting seed quality, and getting good emergence and, and cotton, you know, has always had a, a challenge in getting out of the ground. And so these new controls are, I think are gonna bring a new level of precision planting. And, and I think reducing the times that we end up with a replant situation, just because we could control for, the, uh, for some non-optimal conditions. When you sit back and look at some of the environmental conditions we've had for the last two years at planting time, whether it's either been too wet, too cold, and you feel like that planting window is closing on it. This, these allow growers to get out and, and basically get a crop in pretty quickly. Yes. Oh, yeah. And the speed's another thing. I used to think five miles an hour was fast. And some of these guys, I mean, it's just amazing how fast they can get across the field now. And then you add the, uh, the increased planter width and the section control on top of that. It's really getting an operation that is simple. Well, not... Nothing's ever simple, but you know, as, as basic as planting is really benefiting from a lot of great technologies. Well, I, I one of the other technologies that, uh, that I saw during a, a recent John Deere event was uh, they were talking about electrostatic transmission for some of their newer tractors that would not only power the tractors, but would also generate electricity that would power then planters and other implements. So in, in essence, we're, we, we might be losing, it looks like we're losing PTO system, which I don't think a lot of growers would complain too much about. Uh, I don't know that we're going to see electric or battery powered equipment in the near future, but you've got to know it's coming. So what are, what are you kind of hearing or seeing along this front? Yeah, you know, um, there is a company in a, the name just escaped me, but that, you know, is, or, uh, is offering an electric tractor for orchards out in California. And I think they have an eight hour runtime. So, but in the, in the short term, yeah, we are challenged by battery capacity, by the ability to, uh, you know, to do fast changes. But in the future, you can think, one of the things is just think about reliability. When you go to an electric motor, you don't have uh, as many moving parts. And, you know, just, I think they're gonna, the, the reliability of the equipment's gonna increase. And another thing, like you said, eliminating that PTO and thinking of plug and play implements. Um, you know, we've got the ISO bus already. We're starting to see the advantages of that. Um, and now when you have an, an electric implement, I'm just, you know, I, I can't even imagine all the possibilities that's gonna bring to, you know, individually controlled planning row units uh, even more sophistication in sprayer controls. It, it's just, it's exciting to think what that, what those possibilities are. Yeah, but Ed, I, I know we're kind of, we're jumping all over the place trying to get a, an idea of uh, what all else is out there, but I know this conversation started, we were talking about this 
machine vision and, and uh, kind of the sea and spray technology that Jim was able to see a demo on uh, here recently. And, uh, you know, that's something that's becoming a regular feature on, on new equipment, including autonomous uh, tractors. I mean, sea and spray, Ed, and I know you've been paying attention for longer than I have, but it's just exciting to me because I can remember being down at Sunbelt Expo 10, 12 years ago and getting, you know, some of the companies bringing this along for the first time. And it was like, it was like alien technology <laughs> back then. And, and now, uh, and it wasn't just Blue River. I mean, there've been a couple of uh, uh, companies who have been working with this technology. Uh, and now it's coming standard feature, uh, you know, on this, on these new uh, tractors that are out there. So, um, are there any other types of kind of research projects that you're out that you're aware of that are out there that are utilizing that level of machine vision and uh, AI? And how far out are they from commercialization? Do you think? Well, I'll start with one that comes to mind right away that's really commercialized um, and being refined, and, and this is kind of a non-traditional use, but you know, for plastic detection in the cotton gin. If you think about we we worked. Uh, along with Vicki Martin in our fiber competition and Matthew Pelletier out at the Lubbock Gin Lab, uh, you know, they, they did proof of concept on the ability to use machine vision to see plastic on the, the feeder apron of the gin stand. And Lummis has taken that technology and, you know, working to make it more commercially available. And so that's a very simple form of machine vision that's relying currently largely on color. But, you know, there's, uh, they're looking at, uh, now with these processors being more affordable and faster, that's, that's something nice. You know, they're getting faster and cheaper. Uh, we're going to be able to do more sophisticated things, even at, at the gin stand, looking at texture and shape. Um, so that's one. But if we move back to the field, you know, what I find really fascinating is you look at John Deere, uh, you know, released their first autonomous tractor this year. And it's got six cameras on it, I believe, four in the front and two in the back. And, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty certain right now that's just, you know, for a collision detection and, and making sure they don't run anybody over. But when you start thinking all these cameras and then all these sea and spray cameras, yeah, they can, they're looking for weeds right now, but what else could they be looking for? And, you know, I just see that coming. They can be scouting for a disease. Uh, and, and I've talked to our entomologist, Ryan Kurtz, that's going to be a tougher one. But you think if you have one of those cameras looking under the canopy now, uh, suddenly we could be scouting for insects. So I think that's what's really exciting is every time you take a trip through the field, you're, it's a scouting operation for, you know, and I see this coming in less than five years for sure, right? You look at how fast the, the sea and spray for weeds came. I think, you know, disease and insects aren't that far behind. Now, I, I know it in some of our past conversations, we talked about robotics and, uh, and it certainly seems like the number of studies and, and projects that are out there to help bring robotics to, to the cotton field and to other crops almost seems to be growing exponentially every year. Uh, and, and maybe part of it, uh, you know, a recognition of it is that uh, the World FIRA, I guess that's FIRA conference, which is a global event for ag robotics, has announced that its uh, 2022 event is going to be in Fresno, California this October. It's usually been somewhere in Europe, usually France, I believe. Uh, what types of things would you expect to see and hear about at this conference? How do you think it's going to compare to some of the U.S.-based research? And, and I guess the big question, are you planning to go? <laughs> yeah, I'm really actually looking forward to that one. 
uh, one of our collaborators, uh, Dr. Joe Maha out of Clemson, who's been doing some of the automation work for us, was able to go to France last year and attend that. And he shared some of his experiences. And so, you know, I think the fact that it's going to be in Fresno is significant. The, the vegetable growers are really uh, implementing some of this stuff already. I mean, there are, when you think what's in use, there is an autonomous strawberry harvester that is in commercial use right now. So, you know, it drives through the field. It's a, it's a for service system, uh, but that's out there. Uh, and it competes with manual, you know, with labor. It, it's cost competitive with bringing a bunch of people out there to hand pick strawberries. We've seen that in lettuce thinning. Um, we're seeing it in, in, uh, in the grape industry. They now have autonomous carts that can service the workers. The workers are still pulling the, the grapes, but then these autonomous carts are carrying the grapes to where they need to go in the field. Um, so some, and then, you know, a final one that's really exciting, uh, our, our chairman um, of our, our coming, incoming chairman of our board of directors is James Johnson out of New Mexico. And he's had experience with carbon robotics. It's an autonomous system that controls weeds with lasers. I mean, that, that, I mean, that sounds so crazy and futuristic, but they actually are, have a commercial version that he's trying to implement in some of his vegetable systems. So um, it's just, you know, when we started talking about this five years ago, and, and rightly so, some of my board members thought we were maybe a little bit out there. And now you look, this stuff is is hitting the farm uh, today. Yeah, it it's it's amazing how quickly it's it's come upon us. So, uh, I guess my my only other question would be: Do you have any final bold predictions for this season? Oh, for this season, you see, now that I'm accountable, if I <laughs> <laughs> give any predictions for this season, uh, no, I, I think uh, that you know the things that are that are coming right now is. You know the, the the planter technology, the 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 weed technology are are definitely solid in there, and they're going to be in use this year. Uh, the other thing on the harvester side, when we look at cotton harvest, I, I really see we're making progress in automating automating some of the data flow during the harvest process uh, using the RFID system. We're starting to see more gens uh, take up that technology still a, a pretty small number, but the ones that are using it are, are finding value in you know, getting rid of the paper tags and being able to provide uh, almost real-time feedback to their customers on where their cotton is and what is its status uh, on the gin yard. Okay, sounds good. Well, and with that, Ed, uh, I'm gonna say thanks for joining us again today. It's always fascinating to visit and, and see what's, what's coming next, uh, as well as, take a look at some of the level of ingenuity that's that's coming from companies and universities and even from farm shops across the cotton belt. So again, appreciate your time. It's interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm like sitting here fired up after <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to get back out to these, uh, see some of this stuff on demo and field days. Uh, and you've got me, you got me excited about it. I'm picturing the, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Terminator, uh, AI stuff out here looking for bugs and uh, weeds with lasers and uh, man, I'm fired up. It's good, good combo. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a really exciting time. I'm working closely with our agronomist, uh, Dr. Galen Morgan, on you know on ex expanding the seed spray. You know, the next thing I see coming is uh, beyond just 
crop versus weed is starting to look at weed species. And, uh, you know, and where that obviously is going to come into play is if you right now in the short term, and if you look at, I don't know, I have no idea if this is what John Deere is thinking, but their, their system has two tanks. You do have the ability now to say if that weed's not resistant to glyphosate, let's use glyphosate, it's the cheapest option. Uh, if it is resistant, then we use our more expensive chemistries. Uh, and then, you know, you think about as we move into where there's weeds that no herbicide is going to control, and this is something Galen's working on, uh, you know, looking at do we then if if it can be killed with the herbicide, we spray it. If it can't be killed, we either deploy a, a precision tine or a laser. You know, so there's a way that we can combo this technology too. So it's going to be the possibilities again are really pretty vast. Wow, amazing, Ed. Thank you. Appreciate. Uh, I'm glad we got that last that last little comments in. That uh, I think that sets us sets us well for for this episode and and for for some of the things that, that people will be thinking about as we as we head to the field this year. Hey, thanks again. Re always enjoy talking to you guys. Thank you. Hey, appreciate it. And that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. Special thanks to Dr. Ed Barnes with Cotton Incorporated for his futuristic look at cotton production. Thanks too to First Fire Safety for sponsoring this episode. And as always, thanks to you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your friends about this podcast. And here's Miss Diane to tell them where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, Subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. All right. The Cotton Companion podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes. His name is Jim Stebman. And we will be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer. Yeah, you